going on almost cannoners <laughs> it's me Nicholas Billiards I am back from the great beyond from the fighting the good fight and I'm here with my wonderful co-host Bank Roberts sup it's me Bank Hello, Nick. I'm so happy you're back in the studio. Yeah, feels good. I feel like it's been a while, even though it was. We were, I was like off a week, and then we were here a week, and then I was off a week. I feel like it's been a while since I've been here, you know? Been a while! It, yeah. I was going to continue singing, but I don't like that song, so. I just wanted to uh, say thank you. To uh, the luminous room for filling in on on such short notice with their with their wonderful show, uh, all podcast, no words. There is a huge tail on that mofo. <laughs> oh yeah, it's getting plays from places I never expected. <laughs> So, so, Nick, what are we talking about tonight? Yeah. I can't believe you're back in the studio. It feels just like old times, man. I know. It it does. It really does. And I, but, oh, and it's weird, though. You know, I don't like it, but I feel like these having, having two weeks, I've really got like some, like some in-depth research. I thought you were going to say you were feeling really rusty and you didn't know how to get back in. It's two weeks. But, uh, no, what we're going to talk about, you know, what kind of... Arcades. Let's talk about arcades real quick here. What kind of memories do you got from, from you know, your childhood, hanging out at the arcade? There was an arcade in a real seedy part of town. You know, like the the uh, um, the, the strip outside of big or medium sized cities. Sure. It's just like a lot of like flat buildings and gas stations. Yeah. And- yeah. Uh, there was an arcade in one of those little those little strip mall plazas. We used to go there, and we would play video games. I remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I always played Donatello. Why? Because Donatello was the fucking coolest Ninja Turtle, <laughs> and I dare you to tell me something else. No, I don't think I actually ever played that game, but I did. What, I heard Raphael? Somebody talk Raphael? About... You love no. Raphael? What's who's the blue one? Leonardo. Yeah, Leonardo. He's my favorite. Leonardo's a piece of shit, and I'll kill him. He's like the leader. He's cool and. Is he the leader though? He's cal- yeah. He's some like, say Raphael's and... the true leader. Eh, he's he's a hothead. He's just an asshole. Donatello, man, he's the one that holds the group together. Michelangelo, he's, the he's out one? there by himself. Donatello's yeah, a purple one. He's a smart one. He's super smart. He does machines. Yep. <laughs> like the song, dude? Raphael what? is cool but rude. The Michelangelo. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle song? Is that what you're talking about? What are you talking about? 
They're the world's most fearsome fighting team. <laughs> I don't even know the song. They're heroes in a half shell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know and that they're part. green. Heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. When the evil shredder attacks, <laughs> these turtle boys don't cut them no slack. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. No, I I think I saw the the 90s movies a few times. I always like those ones. Turtle power. But, uh... Shredder taught them to be ninja team. What I wanted to, to talk about... Wait, was, check it out. This is where it gets autobi- This is where it gets biographical. Oh, yeah? Leonardo leads. Donatello does machines. <laughs> and that's a fact, Jack. <laughs> Raphael is cool, but rude. Michelangelo is a party dude. Teenage oh, my God. Do you really know the song? Of course I do, dude. Nice. Yo, I'm a 90s kid, bruh. I guess so. No, I'm not really. I'm your grandfather. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. I consider myself a 90s kid, and I did not know that song. Now I feel ashamed. I came up a little before you. I feel real ashamed. You're all right, man. Don't I did watch the, the Netflix uh, documentary on the Ninja Turtle toys. I learned about a lot about um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from that, but that's really it. All I know. In a nutshell, what would you say uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toy documentary made you re- learn or realize? What did I learn from it? Eh. What did I learn from it? I mean, what? G- give me like a just a one cre- crystal clear fact. It was a. It was like a single-issued comic. And that was it. And then it turned into this huge thing. Yeah. And they used to have little tails. The turtles had tails? Yeah. Now, I don't even know that. And then everyone thought they were little penises. (laughs) So they had to take the tails off. Oh, my God. Of course they thought they were dicks. (laughs) Of course people were like, yep. Look at that. That's a dick. Yeah. So they had to take the fucking tails off. Oh. They neutered the... I mean, they... <laughs> they fucking sliced the dicks off the turtles. Like a bunch of... Uh, what are they called? Eunuchs? I don't feel like turtles have very prominent dicks, though. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know, so... I mean, maybe their tails... Did they draw them really, like, phallically? Mm-mm. Look at this, like... No, they hung down below the shells, you know. <laughs> so they're yeah. That's fun. Yeah, but then they developed the toys from that and then the cartoon. They developed a cartoon so that they could sell the toys. You lie to me right Just now. Just like Aunt Nude, that's what they did to a lot of so they they a lot of uh, uh cartoons that are out. You know? So what is because saying? they were trying to sell toys. So they would come up with these toys and no one was buying the toys, so they'd be like, "Oh, let's make this cartoon." And that's where the turtles became. Yeah, I think popular. that was like Ninja Turtles, Transformers, uh, really? GI Joe. <gasps> Are you kidding? No, I'm not. It's not the other way around. Are you? I sure? swear to God, I'm. I swear to God. Can He Man, He Man was one. Can it be a marketing scheme where they do both at the same time? No, they definitely were made the cartoon to sell the toy. Like they weren't gonna make the cartoon until they were like, shit, nobody knows anything. I don't know about if I these. believe that, especially about GI Joe. Okay, that's fine. Watch the fucking documentary. 
They learned something. They wouldn't need to sell. They wouldn't need to create a cartoon to go along with GI Joe action figures. <sighs> I mean, okay, nobody now, knows, now you got me wondering. Nobody here. knows any of the characters in GI Joe except for Duke. Now you got me wondering. The Cobra dude, he was like nobody cares about any of those fuckers. Because I know I know GI Joe came out to do battle with Barbie, like against Barbie, you know, it was like the the boy version of the Barbie. Barbie didn't need a, a TV show to go no, with Barbie. Barbie. There was no TV show. I think just movies came along after the fact. But well, okay, I believe it about Ninja Turtles. I think the cartoon was was aimed more for the the, the you know the three and the three inch figures, the four inch, you know, the whatever they are. I never Three and bought, a half inch figures, not the not the twelve inch ones. I never bought the action figures, but I did play the arcade game Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's what you were talking about, right? Yeah, I just remember playing that on the at the arcade and like with friends, you know, like I'm gonna be Michelangelo because he had the nunchucks. That's so cool because I never really had that arcade experience when I was younger. Well, that was mine. That's like all I really can remember. I I remember when I went to my dad's. My gram would give us like a $5, you know, to get in quarters. Exactly. And we'd walk down to Video 2020, which is like, you know, where you'd rent movies from. And they had like a couple couple games. And I, I'd always play this one where you're like a cop and you had to shoot these bad guys who were robbing a bank. So you had the actual gun in your hand. Yeah. You had a gun I in never your played hand. those ones. I oh, never man, did. those are my favorite. I, I was never a fan of the racing ones. I never could race, do the racing ones either. And I, I couldn't do the fighting ones because I just wasn't good enough. The fighting ones is the only things I ever really did. No. And, I, and then I remember, like, when I had a chance to go to a real arcade, there was always there was this Star Wars thing that, I don't know, you'd sit in it, and it was this oh, big thing. I, I was telling you earlier. You told me about yeah, this. Yeah, you would sit in it, and there was, like, a Hoth mission, Jeez. the Death Star mission, and the speeder, an Endor mission where you're on a speeder bike. And you got to take out all these. Oh, tell it was me, awesome. Tell me this, Nick. It was so sick. Will you tell me this? Yeah. On the Hoth mission. Yeah. Did you end up having to like run the? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cable That's, around. That was the, the AT-AT. only way to take out the ATATs. Of course it is. And you probably had to. Did you have to wind between the legs too? Like oh, a I don't remember. Eight? I don't think you could because no, you, had you to, were on you a just set. had to go all the way around it. You couldn't. You couldn't go like the between the legs like that. Yeah, yeah. But and I always thought it was weird because they were they were the little chicken walkers. The, the ATSTs. And those weren't in the movie. Well, they were actually in Return of the. Uh, I mean, uh, I never uh, saw them. Empire Strikes Back. Of course, I, think they I were. missed them. I didn't see them in Hoth. They were on Hoth, and they were, of course, on Endor in the end. Hmm. I only saw them on Endor. But, uh, but yeah, those were my memories of an arcade. And I wanted to talk about. I I, I wanted to bring up this arcade because. Why I uh. There was this, I was doing some reading, and I came across this game called Polybius. This mysterious arcade game called Polybius. Called what? Polybius. Polybius. Yeah, so it's named after... Wait, will you spell it? Yep. Uh, I'm sorry, I just don't know what it's it is. It's P-O-L-Y, like poly, B-S, B-I-U-S. Polybius. Wow. Yeah, so it's named after, you know, a Greek historian who specialized in cryptography. And this guy, you know, he's, he's famous for developing this, this Polybius Square as a, as a, you know, way to 
to uh, hide what you're saying, and then you can use the square to decipher. Okay. Not exa- I didn't look up exactly how how the square worked, but I know that he's like what he's famous for. Polybius. I've never heard of him, and I, and I consider myself pretty um, smart. Yeah. Well, and you probably never heard of this game either, but it's it's very weird. This this you know this game is connected to this huge this whole. I went down the rabbit hole on this one, and I think I connected some a few dots here. I'm looking forward to hearing what you've learned, Nicholas. Yeah, so uh we'll get we'll get into Polybius right after these words from our sponsors. And we're back with almost canon. Here we go. So history of the arcade. We're you know, we're talking about this mysterious arcade game. I thought that if we had a little you know, a little backstory about it, the arcade itself, you know, the idea of the arcade, that would be a good uh, place to start. So, here we go. History of the arcade. Uh, so, the first arcades, they were really focused on video and audio and e- entertainment, and you would pay like a nickel or like a, a penny, you know, to watch this thing, like on a street corner or in a bar. This would have been towards the end of the 1800s. Um, the late 19th century, somewhere around 1860. There are arcades in 1860? Well, just like quick, not the arcade that you know. You know, I'm talking like just a quick, you put your nickel in and this quick like motion picture would go. Here's a question I have for you. What is the um, genesis of the word arcade? Well, I think we'll get into that. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so the, you know, by, by the end of the 19th century, the arcade would, would evolve into an actual kind of building area, you know, something specially designed to house these Nickelodeons. So you put a nickel in, you go see some shit. By the 1920s, when alcohol, you know, the prohibition, alcohol was illegal. By the 1920s, they, they had developed slot machine games. These games of chance. And those also became illegal, and they were driven underground but along they, with. They were part of the Nickelodeon. No, this would be after the Nickelodeon. So that that those the Nickelodeons were in the eighteen hundreds. Think of like a, a Red Dead Redemption when you go in, into those little theaters. It's kind of like that, but then then imagine that in a viewfinder, one of those old viewfinder things from a kid. You know. So yeah. These old Nickelodeons, it was literally just like a viewfinder that you would watch a, a, a silent movie out of, like 30 seconds of a film, you know? And then by the 1920s, so they had uh, evolved into these games of chance that you would pay like a nickel or a penny to play. And by the 1920s, those had become practically illegal. And they were driven underground along with like, you know, these bars into speakeasies. So you can only play these games in the speakeasy. Uh, <gasps> I wonder if that's what if that contributes to the fact that um, games are so. Um, hmm, they're still part of like the underculture of society today, even today. Right. You know, if you're like a gamer, right? It's like, well, well, there's something a little bit like wrong or like secretive. Could be, you know. I mean, that's I, that is where it all comes from. So they had been, you know, 
They had gotten a, a bad name by the 1920s. Around the early 30s, uh, places, they started to reopen these games. And instead of being games of chance, they were now uh, like sports games. So you could go um, and kind of play like uh, like these baseball games and shit that they had, they had developed. Like tabletop tennis and stuff like that, you know? Uh, and then as the depression sets in, coin-operated skill games become super popular since they only they started only costing a penny instead of a nickel you could also pay a nickel to play the you know the bigger games but these were only a penny instead of going to the theater you know that would cost way more you could pay a nickel and go play a game you know or a penny by the 50s the coin operated games started to fall out of favor again just like they had because they had they had originally fallen out of favor when the theater was developed and this so this would have been towards the end of the 1800s so by the 50s 1950s they had um fallen out of favor again and become geared more towards children so you know used to play them at bars and shit like that and now they're more geared towards kids not so much in the bars uh bars anymore yeah 1960s saw the opening of like pool halls. Okay. And the reintroduction of these coin operated games within these pool halls. <laughs> right. And in, in the, <laughs> the mid 70s is when like the shopping malls started to open up and these arcades are pretty much became what we know them now. Places like Aladdin's Castle started opening up all around and these parents, these moms would be able to drop their children off in these arcades to play these games. And this is when you get early, early computer games. Okay. Like like uh, Pong and but shit. But wait, before we get digital, what about pinball and stuff like that? Yeah, so pinball was around way from the beginning. It wasn't what we know it today. There was yeah. no flippers. It was literally you just pull back, the ball shoots up. Yeah. So that was early pinball. And, th- and that, that, was, that was around since, you know... The turn of the century. So all those games like ski ball and pinball and all yeah, those, those were games of skills. Those were the sports games. Okay, not the games of chance. Not like the slot machines. Right. So yeah, so you get like ski ball, pinball. These are all in these places. Uh, like the you know, I, I I never went to an Aladdin's castle. I don't you know I don't think we had any of those around here, but apparently they were super popular. Yeah. In like oh. the cities. I mean, I just played that Ninja Turtles game. That was pretty much it. <laughs> so, yeah, the parents would then drop the kids off at these these Aladdin castles or whatever the arcade was called, you know, at, at the local mall. And the parents would go shop. The kids would play. Uh, and then the 1980s saw the peak popularity of these arcades. And what we really know them now, you had all these these crazy video games out. This is when arcades really went digital. Yeah. And that brings us to 1981. <gasps> wow. What a year. <laughs> I know. I got, I got some arcade facts here. Uh, so, I personally love 1981 for a lot of reasons. Yeah, me too. Jimmy Carter. I don't know if he was the president then. I don't <laughs> think that's right. I wasn't even alive. I think so. it was Reagan. It Ew. was like nine years before, ten years before I was born. I mean, yay. Reagan. We got love. <laughs> Reaganomics. Reaganomics. Trickle down. That's right. I'll, yeah, trickle down. All right. So, Pac-Man. Originally released in 1980. Pac-Man. Pac- 
Pac-Man. 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 It was released in 1980, but in 1981, it was still the number one uh, arcade game. And it was raking in the cash. Over $1 billion in revenue. Are you really? Yeah. That's not possible. For, like, what they've collected. Really? For Pac-Man? Apparently. Pac-Man? Yeah. Wow. Pac-Man, $1 billion. Uh, 1981 also saw the release of popular titles like like Galaga, which is one of my favorite oh! arcade games. Yeah, Donkey Kong, another good one. Uh, no, Frogger, Pass. Mrs. Pac-Man. Yes. So those were really popular arcade games that were also released in 1981. What? Yep. And uh, 1981 also saw marathon gaming. So it was like where people would just play for hours and hours. Oh! Trying to beat these crazy records. They That's play what for I like, do. Like 36 hours straight, you know? Well, I've done that. Uh, and in 1981, Portland, Oregon became one of the preferred places to test arcade games. And, you know, the atmosphere of arcades back then, you know, you could smoke in them. You could eat, drink. You know, can't do that now. Hot dogs grilling right in the middle of the place. And there were a lot of shady deals going on, you know. You know, these arcade yeah. uh, attendees were like, you know, selling selling oh. dime bags to kids. And a lot of weed. Doing eight balls on the fucking skeet ball rack. Oh, God, that's horrible now. <laughs> Just kidding. But, that but might... yeah, there was a lot of shady shit going on in these, these early arcade games. And, and there was so much that the FBI, they knew all about it. And they were watching So that brings us to, here's another, uh, I'll just, I'll leave these ones for later, but we're going to come back to the history arc of the arcade, but that brings us to Polybius, back to Polybius, this mysterious, unmarked black cabinet game. So it was in a black cabinet, it was unmarked, uh, and not much is known about it, but what is known that people would become highly addicted when playing it. They would become sick. Some would have seizures. So what do you think? What do you think about that? This highly addictive game. People would... F- it, was, it was said that people would fight. Get in fights over who would play next. Let's see. I would say... If some kind of crazy new technology was introduced to you... Without you being properly, like, I don't know, weaned into it, then uh, <laughs> it might just blow your fucking mind and have you be a crazy person about it. And you know how I said how Portland had become, you know, the hub for for uh, where these developers would drop off their games to be tested? So this, this is where Polybius is recorded as being released. It doesn't seem like there's anywhere else that this game was released. Okay. Seems like only in this city. Give this me the facts. L- game. Lay it on me, dude. Come on. I mean, that's pretty much it. There aren't a whole lot of facts. It's this mysterious game in a black cabinet, no markings. Like there's there there's people who say they have played it. There's no, you know, no video evidence. Nobody has anything. Give me give me something. There really isn't. That I can really sink my teeth into. All right, let's see. 
What is Polybius? What's the game? What 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 is it? That's like, what we're gonna try to figure out, man. Okay, like, we don't know. I'm telling you. Well, I'm sorry. To, I'm getting all agitated. I know. About it. So am I. I just right. spent two weeks trying to figure this out. What is Polybius? Maybe what we, is it? Oh my God! Maybe we're doing it right now. Maybe it's like the act of trying to figure it out is what, like the part what the game is. Dude. No. Yeah, man. I don't know, but uh, dude, that's totally what it is, <laughs> man. No, it was this mysterious no, game that was that was randomly dropped off at these arcades in Portland, and these kids would play it. They would, you know, they would get sick. Someone would have seizures, insomnia, uh, amnesia was reported, and then every now and then they would see these men dressed in black coming in, you know, fiddling around with it and leaving. And this lasted for like a month or two, and then all of a sudden the game was gone. So it was only around for about a month, you know, what maybe I, two months at most. So what was the interface? Like, they they were just looking at a screen? Nobody knows. Well, of course they know. They could see them doing it. Well, they thing. might know, but nobody nobody seems to remember what this game even looked like. The only thing that has been left over from this game... Dude, I'm, I'm about ready to shut this down. <laughs> Why? Because it's so obvious that it's just like a philosophical question. We'll get into it. I, I got I got things that bring us into CIA, into these these mysterious CIA prod funded projects, some mind control. You're going too far, man. I don't know. Dial it back. You no no. You just need. Do you just sit back then? Ask yourself. When you get too agitated, you the, just sit there and listen. The fundamental okay? question. What's that? Uh, I, I, will, I, I understand that this game showed up, wasn't there for very long, and then it was gone, and it could be a complete myth. I get that. But I, I think you just need to hold on, wait till the end, reserve judgment till the end. As of now, just believe that, that this is all true. I, I want to. Just hang on and just hang on. So... Let's see. Let me get back to my spot. Uh, yeah, so the game was there for about a month, maybe two at most, and then it was just gone. Uh, the first recorded account, like actual recorded account of the game, seemed to appear in a 1998 internet blog geared toward coin-operated arcade games called coinop.org. Uh, the poster wrote about an image which they had on their, uh, in their possession on a ROM file. That included the developer's name in the year 1981. For the record, a ROM file is just a CD image, mm. basically. Like an image of a, of a compact disc. Right. So this image was when you'd, you'd, you'd put your coin, your 25 cents in, the startup screen would pop up. This was the image that he had. That was it. Right. Just that, that single image. Um, and so the developer was... And this is it's a German developer. It's a German word, sort of. So let's see if I can pronounce this. Sinislocken? Sinislocken? Here, right here. I'm gonna hand you this, you're gonna read this. Zinislution. Right. So I don't know if that's right. It it's German, but it's not actually a German word. So it's two German words, or two English words. Lucian? What's Lucian? I don't no. know. So it translates to sense delete. 
So it's just a mashup of two English words. Wow. Sense. Zenith. Okay. Okay. I, I buy it. It's just a... So that's kind of weird, right? Like, it's not actually a German word. Uh, and so that's the name of the developer. Um, okay. So then after 1998 in this coinop.org post, the next written account of Polybius was in GamePro magazine in September of 2003. <gasps> I was which, a subscriber. Yep. Which he was a subscriber. <laughs> which allowed, you know, thousands of readers to read about Polybius. Probably hundreds. All right, maybe hundreds. I, I don't know. I don't know how popular this magazine was. It sounds like Game Pro magazine. Super. Sounds like a popular it magazine. It was, dude. It gave you codes. Right. So I'm sure thousands of people at least flipped past this, right? Fucking codes, dude. So. Dude. In 2006, a man named Steven Roach came forward and said he had been one of the, the game's original programmers. Yep. He said uh, the game's intense, fast pace, and advanced graphics had given uh, someone a seizure, <gasps> and the company had quickly pulled every game. That's how I felt. In fear of being sued, you know? He's right. He's right. But Stephen Roach is also a liar, and it has been proven that he's just made this shit up. He was never actually a part of. Of the game. That is a... Uh, and it is theorized by many that Polybius was developed by the U.S. government, the CIA, with the intent to test mind control technology on unsuspecting civilians. For real? For real. Well, then. Okay, fine. What make What keeps them from doing that with every single video game that we play to this very day? That's a good question. I actually don't have an answer for that. I didn't think of that. I think what would keep them from doing that would be programmers not wanting them, you know, not allowing them. They'd have to develop their own systems to do it. Oh, Nicholas, you innocent little lamb. Every single thing that we do, all the video games we play, I think probably follow that same fucking model, dude. I would would imagine the CIA, they would want to develop their own system that they can fuck around with instead of piggybacking on... Someone else's. That's it. That's the, that's the better way to look at it. So, this brings us to a quick history of the CIA. Nineteen forty-five, the Office for Strategic Services, otherwise known as the OSS, was disbanded. You know, at the end of World War Two. And the Strategic Service Unit took over in its place. However, the the SSU was only meant to be in place until a more long-term agency could be figured out. And that would bring us to the Central Intelligence Group, or SIG. Uh, While granted with the power to actually produce its own intelligence... It was ultimately hampered by the Department of State. So in 1947, President Truman signed the National Security Act into law and created the Central Intelligence Agency, or the CIA. 
Two years later, the CIA was given permission to conduct secret operations at home and abroad. And that's, you know, I, I, w- I just wanted to go over a quick history because we're going to get into some serious conspiracy stuff here. Uh, which you, you, we can make probably a dozen episodes out of this stuff. So I just wanted to make a... That's just a quick history of the CIA. That's where it comes from, the OSS. After World War II, it was disbanded. Uh, and, you know, after so much... So many other alphabet groups, we get the CIA. Uh, so, let's talk about a couple strange CIA projects. You know, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, it's the CIA. You know, what What are they going to do? What is the CIA going to do? It's just the CIA. Well, the CIA was into some pretty weird shit at the beginning of the Cold War. Things like psychic warfare. This was a major, major program uh, or a major issue for the CIA. And they, they spawned many programs based on this, this psychic warfare idea. So, uh, you know, this is where you, you get MK Ultra from. Uh, it all pulls its roots from this thing called from Psychotronics. And this all began when rumors of Soviet advancements in the field of psychotronics reached the CIA's ears. What is up, my friend? Bank is back in the house. No, I've been here the whole time. Oh, he's, yeah, he's been here. So, beginning in the early 1970s, a CIA-funded project uh, uh, designated <coughs> Scanate. <laughs> Sorry, I got a frog in my throat all of a sudden. Wait, the, let's go. Let's take it back from when I came back in. You're like, bank is back, and then go back in. I didn't even know what I was talking about. I don't know. So yeah, so we're talking about these strange CIA-funded uh, projects, yeah. like ones that we know of, official oh. CIA strange CIA CIA-funded project, and they're all based off of this. The psychic warfare, you know, this all takes place during the Cold War. What? Yeah. So the, the CIA, they hear these rumors of Soviet advancements in the field of psychotronics. You know, it's like uh, this like like uh, brainwashing and hypnotism and all this crazy shit. Um, so they they start this pro this program called scanning scan by coordinates. Uh, and it was begun under the watchful eye so it was funded by the CIA but it was the program was actually done by the US Army this project employed several empaths so these are people with the ability to to understand and feel the emotions of those around them you know they have a higher I don't know a higher ability to understand these like they can I've been there I guess it's hard to explain but oh I've been there but like you can actually like you can almost feel it. Sometimes you do. Uh, so they're they're empaths. Eh. These are people like the the inf- the famous uh, Ingo Swan. He's a he's a real famous empath. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get into him further down the line. He he's in a. What's his name again? Ingo Swan. Ingo. Yeah, Ingo. Okay. So that so. To conduct this this psychic warfare, they're they're gonna do it in the in the form of remote viewing. 
you know what that is? Kind of like astro projection, sort of in a way. Whoa. Um, and this is also this is stuff that they really try to do. This is some crazy shit. So, like Ingo Swan, you know, they're they're gonna do this remote viewing, which is the ability to use one's mind to view a person, place, or thing from a great distance. And they they're gonna use this this remote viewing against the Soviet Union. How? They're just okay. So I like I explained, we can do dozens of episodes based on this stuff. So I'm just this is just a quick overview of some of these strange CIA CIA projects. So I didn't really get into the in depth on how these people do this remote viewing, but what they do is they pretty much like sit them in a room, you know. It, it, so this is pretty much what Stranger Things is is kind of based off of. You know, what Elle can do. They give her a picture. She looks at the picture. She sits in this room. And she, like, you know, she she can see this person and what they're doing. That's remote viewing. Yeah, that's remote viewing. Whoa. So, over the decades, uh, Scan 8 would take on several iterations. It would become Gondola Wish in the mid-70s. Then Project Grill Flame in the late 70s through the early 80s. Mm, yummy. And then Center Lane and uh, Sunstreak in the mid back? to late 80s. Can we go back to Grill Flame? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I would kind of like a flame broiled. Yeah, so I, I see Grill Flame and then and then I see Sunstreak mm. and I just want to say Sunsteak. Mmm, Sunsteak. Mmm, <laughs> grilled Sunsteak. <gasps> oh yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? So yeah, so you, you, we get Center Lane and Sunstreak in the late, uh, the mid to late 80s until their research ended with Project Stargate, and that ended in 1995. The majority of these projects were conducted at Fort Meade in Maryland, and while they were funded by the CIA, the Army did the actual research. So that was like, that was some of the... the the really weird shit that they did. Wow. And here's a couple other examples of some weird stuff. Uh, so in the 1980s, the CIA, they would successfully use blow-up dolls to fool Soviet, uh, like other Soviet agents. I don't believe that one. Yeah. So they, they would they would have these blow-up dolls packed in a suitcase. And if, and if the CIA agents were on the run, <laughs> they would like round a corner really fast. No. Yeah. And then blow up the. Stop it. They would open the. Apparently it worked. That's bullshit, dude. So like if they were in a car, they would round the corner, blow up the doll, jump Finally. out of the car, run away. Finally, I'm it, calling bullshit. And it supposedly worked. I'm not, to, I'm not gonna. No. So that's, that's some other weird shit that they were doing. Um, okay. Fine. And then I got Fine. another, I got another example. So. After being unable to train rebel, uh, a rebel army strong enough to take out President Sukarno of Ind- Indonesia, the CIA, they would have to think outside the box. And, and we're talking way outside the box. Nick, are you trying to get yourself targeted right now? You're like doing all these exposés. I just, I want to stop convey it. how... You have to stop. No, I have to give these I examples. I thought we were talking about arcade games, and now suddenly we're like CIA. Well, yeah, like you were, you were just, you were like, I don't believe this. This is stupid. Well, I didn't say that necessarily. Well, listen to this other stupid shit that oh. the CIA actually did. God, sorry. So I'm sorry. <laughs> so the CIA, they would, they would have to think outside the box. Uh, 
The CIA had to think outside the box. Yeah, way outside the box. Who writes that? Me. Yeah. That shit sucks, dude. So, they, they came up with this idea to film this porn. This porno. Oh, come on. With the aim... No, this is... They really did this with the aims of discrediting uh, Sicarno. Uh, so their plan was to use a body double as well as an incredibly lifelike mask to impersonate this president. Wow. Yeah. So so Indonesia it wasn't a communist country, but it was it was communist leaning. And that could, that could be a funny movie. And this was back when I'm sure it could be. I think we've already done that. And this though. is back when like the domino effect was in place. So so the govern the you know our government they were so worried that if one country fell to communism, you know all the others around it would. So they're trying their hardest to keep these countries from from you know going down going too far to the left. So they knew Indonesia was really close to China and the Soviet Union. But what they didn't know was that the Soviet Union had also tried to make, uh, you know, a pornographic movie, kind of with the oh, same aims. So, what? yeah, they wanted to use their movie to blackmail this president into joining Nick. What? <laughs> this sounds a little silly. Well, that's the whole point. It is silly. A lot they, of porno. They seriously tried to do this. Like, really? that's the whole point. It is silly. Yeah, so they didn't realize that this Sicarno was a fucking womanizer. He loved it. And he he heard that, you know, the the Soviet Union came forward and they're like, we made this video of you sleeping with this with this uh, this flight attendant. Now, now give us what we want or we're going to, sh- you know, share this video Lord. with everyone. And this guy was like, okay, make more. Can I have one? What? He wanted a copy of the video and the no! CIA didn't realize this. So they went forward with making this, this porn impersonating. So they used a mask to impersonate this president. Uh, Sounds, it's still pretty hot. And then after they ended up making the movie, they realized that they couldn't reprint that in order to reproduce an actual film reel was incredibly difficult and they wouldn't be able to reproduce enough and get the Indonesian people to watch them because how the fuck are they going to watch these huge fucking film reels? So that, that at, but they actually filmed the video. That's incredible. Well, I mean, it goes to show that they do some funky ass shit. Do they have the originals still so available? Apparently the original is out there, but it has never Whoa! been. Oh, I didn't even think there was an answer for that one. So, but it's never been revealed. So it's like in their, you know, in their vault somewhere. I would put that in the category of uh, shit, man. If I had enough money. And just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. That That's going to get important towards the end here. Um, so that brings us to MKUltra. So oh. let's get into MKUltra after a word from our sponsors. All right. And we're back to Almost Cannon. <laughs> uh, MKUltra, that's where we left off here. So MKUltra goes way back, almost to the beginning of the CIA. So in 1949, the CIA, they became... So this goes way back to this, this psychotronic, uh, you know, warfare shit that they were in. So they they had become convinced that the Soviet Union had created some sort of mind control device or drug um, after this cardinal 
in Hungary. He pleaded guilty to a bunch of crimes he hadn't done. And, in, and you know, the video that he saw, this cardinal was like, he looked brainwashed. His, he was all like, eh, eh, I did it. I did it. I did it. And they're like, whoa, something funky's going on here. And they were worried that the CIA, or uh, that the Soviet Union had developed some sort of mind control drug. And they were using it on this guy. So much like the arms race and the space race, there's a much more secretive uh, mind control race going on between the U.S., in the Soviet Union. And that, they pretty much bring in the, the CIA's involvement begins with this thing called project bluebird started in 1950, 50 with the aims of using uh, hypnosis along with the introduction of chemicals and, and even things like shock therapy uh, to control the brain and, and even to brainwash subjects so that they could, you know, figure out a way to, to create better ways to interrogate subjects uh, 1951 saw Bluebird form into Project Artichoke this was a more hardcore version of Bluebird involved the introduction of testing unwitting subjects usually like defectors or prisoners of war people that would like um, you know hop the line and in uh, Berlin they would do crazy shit to them before letting them in so, 1953, Artichoke hears about this drug, this new drug called LSD. And this is kind of when Operation MK Ultra was born. So, MK Ultra started under Dr. Sid Gottlieb. He had headed the CIA's chemical division and wanted to uh, convert the use of biological and chemical materials for use in further clandestine operations. That was... Uh, Richard Helms, he headed the CIA, I believe, and that was his kind of um, his plan for this this uh, MK Ultra. So that brings us to the late 1950s, mid to late 1950s, early MK Ultra test subjects were were usually psychiatric patients as well as prisoners, and they were also testing on themselves. In November of 1953, this guy, he worked for the Project MKUltra. His name was Dr. Frank Olson. He was unknowingly drugged at a work retreat and suffered a massive mental breakdown. He was dead 10 days later when he threw himself. That I just want to put like an air quotes around that if I can. When he threw himself out of a 10-story building. So in its later years, so after Frank Olson killed himself... Or was killed. The CIA, they, they had to stop testing LSD on themselves. And they started testing it on random people. Like prisoners. There's actually a, uh, quite a few famous people that, that you would know of that they tested it on. Um, so they, they kind of wanted to like build a, a, a Manchurian candidate, you know? They wanted yeah. to break someone down, build them back up, yeah. brainwash them. Eh. Eh. And that was like the, the ultimate game. Like, yeah! That's what they wanted from MKUltra. So, you know, this is when like Center Lane and Sunstreak and Grill Flame and all those come in place. Mm, They're girl. all, they, 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 nom, they, nom, they, nom. they Pick up within MKUltra. Okay, so those fine, are fine, projects go. within go. KM, MKUltra. Go uh, Go where? I don't know. Keep going with your story. I am. 
Sorry. Uh, and All then right. the CIA would run pro. Also, they ran projects like Midnight Climax. So this Ooh. is when like <laughs> this guy would get into. Okay, stop. No, Slow he would down. get he would get into a closet. Can you pretend with a one way mirror? Okay. And they would have the they would oh. tell these prostitutes what were going on. Oh, yeah, these sex workers. Thank you. And um, these sex workers would drug these random people with LSD. Nicholas. And then these guys no, stop. from behind the mirrors would watch and see what. what yeah, and then that they would the watch ultimate. to see how they would act. That's so fucked. And this was a midnight climax. Nobody wants to do LSD when you're not. Well, they no, and they didn't know. That was the whole thing. They well, didn't right. know they were being drugged. They were getting dosed. Nobody wants that in their life. Well, the CIA did. <laughs> they wanted to know what this drug could do. Like you know, it was new. So. LSD was, it, what? When when was it? It was probably. I think it was developed in the 1920s. You know, on accident, and um, it really didn't become popular until, you know, the the mid to late 1940s. And the CIA had just barely heard about it in the 1950s. So they they wanted to know what this drug could do, and they really thought that they could use it as a mind control drug. So. Other than, you know, they would run Midnight Climax out of... That just goes to show how fucked up things were back then. Yeah, I mean, they would... They could be like, hey, here's this weird, crazy experimental thing. Let's let's run tests on people and see yeah, how... Yeah, that's, that's exactly what they were doing. Oh my god, it's so fucked up. But, I so, mean... So, yeah, and then they, they would also run experiments at colleges, universities, and they were continuing to run these at psychiatric hospitals. And I got, I got a I got a few notable MK Ultra subjects here. You want to know who they were? You 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 yeah, would do. probably know these guys. A couple of these guys. So the the poet Allen Ginsberg. Oh yeah, dude. No, these, do you really know one. him? Yeah, yeah. So he was an MK Ultra subject. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. Hmm. I where he got that. Hysterical. Uh, author Ken Kesey, I believe he he. Cuckoo's Nest. Yep. Songwriter uh, Robert Hunter. No, oh, I don't know him. No, Whitey Bulger, the gangster. Yeah, he was tested on in in prison, and he he tried to in his later years he tried to use that to get out of jail. <laughs> um, Ted Kaczynski. Before you went crazy, the Unabomber. Yep. Uh, Marshall Applewhite was supposedly a MK Ultra subject. I know that name, but I don't. Yeah, know. like Heaven's Gate, the cult, Heaven's oh, Gate. Oh yeah. So that's kind of you know, this was all. I w- I just wanted to to get this out really quickly because we could do some in depth episodes on this. Nick, I feel like we started in a place that was uh, very arcade centric, and now yep. we're and we're 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 getting back there. I promise. Okay. So we got some loose sush- like I said, we got some loose strings out there, okay. right, and yeah. I'm gonna draw them back together. Okay, I'm with you, but uh, we are barely tethered to the subject, and so, and it's it's gonna get a little crazier before it comes back. Well, you know me. Every but time I, I wanted, do, you know. I wanted to bring up that because every time I do a podcast, it's focused, laser focused. <laughs> there is a theme that goes through, and everybody uh, yeah. So this is this is good. Enjoys it. So, 
So we had started off with this mysterious game that could be brainwashing kids okay. in some way or another. Yes. Now we're talking about CIA okay, yeah. brainwa- trying to brainwash right, okay, random then. ass random people. I see the through line now. I get it. Okay. And now we're going to get into... Okay. So MK Ultra proven. It's real. It happened. Oh, there's not proof. You can't say proven. No, MK Ultra is proven. MK Ultra is proven. It happened. We know it. Everyone knows it. The government knows it. They've admitted to it. For the sake of your argument here, let's say yes, it's proven. No, it is MK Ultra is proven. That really happened. <laughs> not in the way that you're no, describing. That really happened. Everything we know. Okay, That's fine. What we fine. Know. Fine. Okay, guys. Bank Roberts. He is a, what, how would you describe yourself? Uh, uh, an extreme skeptic. I'm not and a this skeptic. This is what happens. Yes, you are. Just say you are. I mean, I call bullshit when I have to, but. Okay, you're right. He's the bullshit guy. I'm, I, I just, I'm still I really, bullshit guy. After- I really want you to understand that MKUltra is not bullshit, even though it sounds it. Like, it really sounds like it could be bullshit. See, the thing is, I don't put anything past these governmental crazies. When, especially back in like the 60s and 70s, when they were just standing around smoking cigars and being like, yeah, let's fuck around and do that. They're just like these old fucking rich white dudes just being like, here's what's going to happen. And just like having zero clue about anything. And yeah, that's what happened. We're getting a little bit more woke now. I guess we could say that, thankfully. Although I am very staunchly libertarian. So a bank <laughs> Roberts is okay. that is libertarian. Keep the government off my my shit. I'll keep my shit off the government. I'll keep my shit and my taxes. I'll keep my taxes from the government. I don't pay taxes no more. I pay three times as much taxes because I want to. <laughs> I won't give back more than I ever give get. <laughs> Although right. that one time I got some money. Oh, because I found a treasure, and it was a genuine <laughs> crucifix made out of gold. <laughs> nice. From the Civil War, probably? I don't know. It was something. I pawned it. So, yeah. I pawned it for... MK Ultra, Real. Now we're going to get into a, a project, an offshoot of MKUltra, <gasps> that is in question. Let's okay. just say that. Okay. So... The Montauk Project. I want to be part of it. How do I join? Do I, it's not going on anymore. How do I sign up? It's just not. It's Come on, probably man. most likely not going on anymore. What the fuck, man? Okay. You're not allowed to just like tell me about all this cool shit and then be like. You don't even know what they did yet. And I think you're too old for it. Anyway. That's very dickish. So, the Montauk Project. It is what? You're rude. People, if I'm just going to say Stranger Things and I hate your shirt. Based off of the Montauk Project. There's a devil skull on his shirt, ladies and gentlemen, and his flaming it's Hellfire daggers. Club. It's from Stranger Things. It scares me. So, the Montauk Project. It is literally what the Duffer Brothers based Stranger Things off of. And before it took place in um, Hawkins, Indiana, I believe... Say Hawkins, Indiana again. And before it took place in Hawkins, Indiana, they wanted to make it in Montauk, New York. Montauk, yeah, that's like in uh, Westchester County. It's in Long Island. Okay. Um, Long Island. So, according to this guy named Preston Nichols, who he wrote a series of books in the mid-80s called The Montauk Project, um, 
experiments in time. Okay. So according to him, the government was performing unconfirmed MKUltra-like uh, experiments on children from the from 1971 to 1983 at a U.S. Air Force base in Long Island, New York, on Montauk Point. Oh my God! I think I might have been one of those children. <laughs> you might have been. You probably were. Actually, it makes a lot of sense now. But if you're supposed to be my grandfather, how? I mean, uh, 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 well, well, I, we got a lot of questions right now. The audience will judge us. And, you know, so this base was called Camp Hero. It was on Montauk Point. You know, you can go there today. It's kind of like a park. You can walk around. You can, you can walk through it. Uh, the buildings are off limits, but. Whoa! You can actually go there. It's like this park. You can walk around? Well, you can't walk in the buildings and shit, but yeah. Are there bushes to look at? Bush? Oh, yeah. Plenty of bushes. Probably some other shit. Maybe. Maybe like those binoculars that you can pay a nickel and... <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, yeah. Straight out of the arcade. <laughs> um, Arnie. Arnie. So he said these experiments included things like time travel, astro projection, telekinesis, um... And apparently they, they they had this spaceship that they were continuously trying to to reverse engineer. Wow. Yeah. Um and he also said that these projects they were they really all started with the Philadelphia experiment. I'm not gonna get into that, but we will cover that at some point. What's the Philadelphia experiment? Alright, I'll give you a quick rundown. Just a quick rundown, please. Nineteen forty three uh, during World War II, the Navy they put all these mag, you know, all these electromagnetic equipment all over this this warship, and they tried to transport it, you know, through time and space to another place. Or no, I think I think they tried. They wanted to make it invisible, and they ended up transporting it upstate, like way upstate, apparently. And when it when it appeared again. All the soldiers who were on it, they were all fused to the ship. Yeah, pretty much killed everybody that was on it. That's not real, though, is it? That it's not. Horrific. It's not officially. Oh. No, it's, oh it's, it's a major conspiracy. Okay. But there, there are a, Let's move on a from few people one, out there who swear that it happened. And it supposedly was Nikola Tesla's last experiment. Oh, God, no. Why do we even get there? So... I believe I believe Preston Nichols says that he was part of that experiment. No. No. Nick. Because he, he would go on later to work as an attendant at you know, this this camp working get, on these kids. We gotta get back to the to the main point. So yeah, so you know, a couple other people come forward. They say that they, they were also at Camp Hero, you know, people like this guy named Al Bielik, and then there were two other People who would have been children during this time, they come forward as well, and they said they they were part of the experiment. But um, so the Montauk Project it, it utilized a lot of these these Nazi scientists that were collected after World War II via you know Project Paperclip. Uh, you ever heard of that? You're gonna have to say uh, what that is. So after World War II, there was a huge race between the Soviets and the United States trying to collect up all these Nazi scientists. And we, through Operation Paperclip, we were able to, you know, to in, 
to steal these Nazi scientists away from the Nuremberg trials and kind of use them to our advantages. Like, like, uh, what the fuck was that guy's name? Why are you Von Braun? Warner Von Braun? Why are you saying this? He developed the U-2 rocket and he also got us to the moon. You're telling, you're telling me right now. I want to be very clear on this. That we co-opted German scientists yes. <laughs> after World War II yep. to further our own yes. nuclear and um, scientific ambitions. Yes, and you can see pictures of the president and all these other people shaking Von Braun's hand as they're, you know, he's flying us to the moon. You know, that really kind of makes me sad in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, it happened. And, you know, the, the Soviets... I hate you for bringing this to my attention. The Soviets did the same thing, so... You know, so it was World War II, and then while World War II was going on, we were also sort of at war America, with Soviet Russia. America has been nothing but a bully. We co-opt people's shit. It's the same thing as the British Empire did. But at least now, in this day and age, we're more woke to the possibilities well, of... Well, you Ma- might think so. American intervention. Or they're just more secretive. Are they, though? Can they be? I think they can be. Alright. Well but, but yeah, you know, back then this this stuff flied better. Uh so yeah, they were using like so they would they would take the all these experiments that these Nazi scientists had done, all their information and data, and they would use it towards their their own experiments within the Montauk project. Um Preston Nichols says that they they kidnapped and murdered up to three hundred thousand children. Over the course of 13 years. And that they would... These these scientists, they would mentally break down these kids. Totally break them down till they were nothing. And then build them back up through the use of heavy doses of LSD. And and like like, uh, electronic shock therapy and all this crazy ass shit. Try to build them back up into these these, uh, huge, you know, powerful telekinesis individuals what i don't i don't know what you want to call them you know kind of like 11 in stranger things they would try to create kids like that these these psychotronic warfare children um and you know and i I also i looked up like because 300,000 missing kids sounds like a lot right well i looked it up and according to the fbi 460,000 children go missing every year in the United States. So, 300,000 kids over 13 years, I mean, it's a fucking lot of kids, but 460,000 kids go missing every year, I mean, maybe it's not so out of the question. That's what the FBI says. I looked it up. On missingchildren.org. It's like the missingchildrensproject.org or something like that. Um, so, there were a couple kids that came forward and they... I didn't, I didn't write their names down or anything, but they would talk about how how they would see, like, you know, they would come come to and they'd you know these these gray aliens would be doing like weird tests to them and they would see aliens walking around all the time 
Apparently there was even this Sasquatch that would walk around the base. They were just seeing all this weird shit going on. Alright. So, like I had said. Over the course of 13 years, 300,000 children kidnapped, murdered, experimented on, dead. Obviously they didn't kill every single one, but... 460,000 kids go missing every year over the course of 13 years, th- maybe 300,000. You know, and when I, I think of this, I, I imagine like homeless children, kids that have run away, you know. They're not just kidnapping kids out of their bed. But yeah, so these kids, they would talk about seeing these weird things like aliens and a Sasquatch that would roam around the complex. And the the idea is that they would these these CIA, Army, Air Force, they would dress up as aliens or whatever. So when these kids came out of, you know, whatever drug-induced stupor they were in, instead of seeing these agents working on them, they would see these aliens and they would be like, oh my god, I was abducted by aliens. You know, I guess that, that was the idea. Wow. And when you, when you think about it, I mean, if the CIA is dressing people up like the Indonesian president... You know, the idea is maybe not too out there. Right? Does that make sense? In some ways, I have to kind of say that I like that the CIA did all these slaps, slapstick kind of like dress people up as other people and like try to assassinate people. And they were just like kind of like very slapstick three stooges. Yeah, I mean, they're doing weird shit. I don't see why they couldn't. And I mean, and I just want to reiterate that none of this is proven. This is all in a book that this guy wrote. That doesn't. That's not gonna get. That's not gonna prevent you from getting assassinated, Nicholas. <laughs> well, uh, and then also, you know, the CIA. They also they made this movie called The Lord of Light. You know the what CIA I'm talking about? Movie, oh, you know what I'm talking about? And they went into Iran to rescue the. These people who, when, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I'm so sorry. I don't uh, have that. I don't. I'm not when, the, when, the, when the embassy was taken over and I ran, they made that movie with Matt, Matt Damon. Or no. It's called The Lord of Ben Light. Affleck. Called Argo. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, so the CIA, they came up with this huge plan that they were going to film this movie called The Lord of Light, and they had to go into Iran to, like, film, you know, bits and pieces, and they ended up rescuing these people. That's the exact thing I'm talking about, where it's, like, kind of a slapstick drama, and the CIA is, like, kind of of a bunch of bumbling idiots, and they're like, (laughs) let's make a movie. Is it, though? It's pretty fucking... pretty fucking smart like they got these people out i don't know i don't know they got them out like they they weren't able to get these people out and they fucking snuck in there you obviously have a point of view on this i don't yeah like if they're gonna dress up like the indonesian president if they're gonna pretend to be movie fucking directors and producers i don't see why they couldn't dress up like aliens and work on kids okay fine 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 you know, it's obviously their go-to. Like, that's their go-to plan, man. Well, you being really upset about it is obviously your go-to plan. <laughs> I'm not upset. I'm just saying. Like, Okay, fine. They're, ex- they're definitely Neighborhood lady's in, not upset. She's just saying. They're definitely experienced in... Okay, fine. Go. Dressing go. up. 
Go on. So, I say all that to bring us back to Polybius. Oh. This mysterious game. Yes. That could be brainwashing children. What do you think now? Some weird shit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's... How does that make you feel now? <laughs> well, I just want to say for our friends out there in listening to us, uh, the record stopped all of a sudden and took us back to the beginning. <laughs> we started recording over what we were saying. So I just want to put this out there for the record. <laughs> the, there was some chicanery, yeah, some shenanigans. I don't know what to, I don't know how to describe. I don't know how to ascribe that because there was some weird shit that went on, but... But let's let's continue, Nick, and, and I'm sorry for the interruption. All right, so let's get into, like, some serious theories about what Polybius could be. You want to hear some, some serious, some real, not crazy CIA thoughts? I suppose. All right, so this guy, this author, Brian Dunning, he says uh, that Polybius is just an urban legend. It was, more, it was most uh, likely to come into existence due to players who just became sick. You know, they're, they're trying to do these, these, these marathon plays. That's what I'm saying. They're trying to do these, these marathon plays. People are just getting sick. And apparently, these two kids at the same, at the same arcade in Portland... Uh, they became sick on the same day, and this this is the birth of Polybius. So one, he collapsed due to a migraine after playing Tempest, uh, and the other developed stomach pains after playing Asteroids for 28 hours straight in an attempt to break a world record. Yeah, that that's that's more like along with what I would think. And then Brian Dunning, he also says that 10 days after this event, uh, local arcades were raided by the FBI. Uh, when they were suspected of using the arcade machines for gambling purposes, and it was later found that they had been, the FBI had been placing cameras within the the cabinets, like the game cabinets, so they would have to open them up, fiddle with them, you know, take out their recordings. Everything and leave. seems like a like a coincidence at this point. So, what they wanted to, the FBI wanted to infiltrate arcades. With this game that was supposed to... No, so it's most likely they were just used... There was no Polybius cabinet. It was just a random cabinet, and they were just sneaking these cameras in, pretending to be, like, maintenance men or something, you know? Okay, all right. So, it's also believed that Polybius was most likely a... uh, Like an old Laserdisc game, something like Cube Quest... Which has really good graphics, um, unlike anything anyone really seen at the time, but would constantly break down and have to be fixed. So there are always people coming in, messing around with these, you know, this game. Remember Qbert? No, I never played Qbert. You didn't? No. He was like a little. He had like this big long snout. Yeah, no, I know who he is. I just never played anything with him. Okay. But like these laser disc games, they were awesome. They were, you know. No one had ever seen graphics. And that was a plebeus thing. There was like, no one had ever seen graphics like this before. This game was intense. It was crazy. I think that my first video game experience is probably way cooler than the plebeus bullshit that you're talking about. <laughs> Maybe. I think it is. Ninja Turtles? No. Oh. 
Pong? No. Atari? No. Someone on Atari? No. Well, actually, yes. I did play Pitfall on the Atari uh, at my cousin's house. And it was about the coolest thing that I'd ever experienced. Well, I, I was bra- I was talking about these, these Laserdisc games because with Polybius, the game was there one day and it was gone the next. And a lot of times it was because, you know, these arcade owners, they would get rid of these Laserdisc games as fast as they got them because they were such a hassle. They just, you know, they cost more that doesn't make than sense. they were worth. That doesn't make sense, Nick. Why would they get rid of Laserdisc games? Because at the time, it was such a new technology I know, but that they just had to keep fixing them and fixing them and paying to have them fixed and paying to have them fixed. Wait, are you saying they have like Laserdiscs that they put inside of the big uh, arcade? I mean, I guess. I don't know. Chassis? I didn't look into that. The chassis. You the know cabinet. what I'm talking about? Yeah, the, the cabinet. cabinet. Yes. So they would just put a different Laserdisc in there? No, they would was... just... No, I think it must have been unremovable. Because they would just take the whole thing away. What? See, that seems prohibitively expensive. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it was more expensive to keep fixing this game than it was to keep it. So they would just remove the whole cabinet. But removing the cabinet... Oh, seems expensive? Seems well, it's also... probably less expensive to just get rid of it than it is to have it keep fixing it. So, those are... Uh, let's see. Okay. All right, I believe you. And when and you know how I brought up that coinop.org, that guy who uh, wrote the post about the game originally. Well, it's believed that he just kind of made it up to drive attention towards his website because there really is no proof that this game ever exists. And that's the thing: did it exist? Was this a mind control experiment by the CIA, or was this just a bunch of BS? You know what I'd like to see. A really good, well-maintained arcade that you could just pay a nice little fee and go in and play some really cool games. You know, there are places out there where you could pay by the hour and just play every game for, you know, free. I've seen pictures of people creating their own private arcades, dude. That's so cool. I would love that. You know, we bring little Jimmy to this place. uh, I forget what it's called, like Fun World. It's supposedly the the biggest arcade in the world. It's in it's in New Hampshire, and it's it's fun. It's fun shit. I'm sure it's fun. Three floors of arcade. What? Like, that sounds actually. It's got fun. bowling, mini golf in the building. Yeah. The top floor is all classic arcade games, and as you go down, they get more modern. Can you get nachos? Yep. All right. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, they have a bar. They have food. What? Like this place is sick. Yeah, we oh. bring them there all the time. It's fun. I just started a private arcade. It's, it'd be cool. And there's just a couple... I just wanted to... Honorary mentions that I wanted to talk about really quick. Oh, yeah. Tons of pinball machines. I always wanted a pinball machine in my house. Yeah, dude. dude. One of my oldest, greatest memories is me and my mom would go to Village Pizza in Same Springfield. with my parents. And my, they'd have a my... pinball machine there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we just play pinball. fun. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that. So, do you want to know what I think? What? I really want to believe that Polybius was a game developed by the CIA. You know... Why do you want to believe Kind of like the Montauk project. They wanted to, to figure out a way to brainwash these children. I just want to. It's fun. I want to, I want to imagine that. But this is what I think. I got a couple games I want to talk about really quick. Um, what? 
The first one Wait. is Tempest. Let's do a break. Okay. And here's Tempest. Oh. <laughs> no. Tempest. Uh, I never played the game personally. I did watch some gameplay on YouTube. Um, and this game looks intense. So it's it's housed in a triangular shaped cabinet. Uh, so the top, it's like angled down towards you. It looks it looks cool. It definitely looks cool. Definitely looks a lot different than than any other uh, arcade cabinet at the time. It was released in 1981, so it was it was brand new on the market when Polybius supposedly came out. Um, and instead of being your standard space shooter, Tempest brought the game to a whole new level. So you would you you would take control of a starfighter, you know, some kind. It kind of looked like a little crab. Um, and you would you would fly along the outside edge of a different uh, geometric shape, and you would look down the shape towards like a, a zero point where the enemies would fly at you, and you would have to travel this shape, you know, left to right or all around. You could go whichever way you wanted, shooting at these these enemies as they came at you. It was crazy. It, it was it just looks mind bending to look at. It used this these 3D vector graphics, like and these. So it was it's pretty much lines everywhere. The shape was a line. The zero point was a line. It was it's it's seriously mind bending. Go look it up on YouTube. It's crazy. There were these when you switch levels, there'd be these crazy strobing effects, and it was it was nuts. So I think that could have maybe even like form the backbone of Polybius. Just the the fact that the it was like revolutionary at the time. These graphics with just mind bending, all these flashing lights, and then there's this other game called Pleiades. It was a space shooter. Wait, listen. I need you to know that Pleiades means son of Peleus. Peleus is a Greek man who bore none other than. Say it with me. Achilles! Yay! And Peleus is his father. So he is Pleiades, the son of Peleus. Well, there you go. Your Greek connection. That's, yeah. And Polybius was also named after a Greek character, you know? Polybius, yes. So. Some rando. Pleiades, it was this space shooter on the lines of uh, Galaga, you know. Enemy ships are released from a mothership. They come down towards you and you're like, pew, pew, pew. I love those. And then you get like, you upgrade your weapons and you're like, suddenly you're shooting out like the spread bullets and there's like murdering all the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. So this game. I've been there, uh, man. I've been. Sorry. Oh, I've been there. You know, (laughs) I really like Galaga too. It's probably my favorite arcade game. Galaga's all fucking. But this game, uh, Pleiades was included in this obscure 1983 horror anthology movie that came out. What? Yeah. So it it, it bombed at the box office. You know, uh, it's very obscure. So I feel like it's already in the back of people's minds. What's right? it called? It's called Nightmares. Oh, yeah, Nightmares. And it's... So there were four stories. Just Nightmares? There were four Nightmares. Was it called Four Nightmares? No, it was called Nightmares, but there were four <laughs> stories within within no. this movie, and um, I think I, it was the second or the third one. 
Uh, you're, te- you're telling me there's a movie called Nightmares. Yes, and it was an anthology. Came out in 1983. <laughs> so it was kind of picking up after like Creep Show, you know? Like it wanted to be a Creep Show. Okay. All right, and it's so this third story starred Emilio Estevez. Yes, Emilio. He's on um, Mighty Ducks. Yeah, fucking great. Love him. I love Emilio. And he's also you remember that movie? Uh, of all the Charlie Sheen brothers, he's the coolest. What's that movie with? Oh, what is, Night at the Roxbury? He was like Emilio. What? No, no, <laughs> never mind. I don't remember that. It was like an 80s movie. It had Will Ferrell in it and the guy from... Oh, what the fuck's his name? He's like, you want to buy some cookies? Never mind. All right, it's fine, man. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he this guy, he played like an FBI agent. He was trying to like infiltrate his family. Uh-huh. Yeah, never mind. No. <laughs> All right, so this Nightmares movie, it starred... Uh, one of the stories starred Emilio Estevez as this teenager named JJ who hustles some gang members out of a few bucks by playing them in Pleiades. And then JJ uses that money that he earns at the local arcade to try to beat this game called the Bishop of Battle. Oh, God. Uh, Does he win? <laughs> well, you know, he has to leave the arc. He gets kicked out. He gets to the 12th level. He gets kicked out, and he breaks in at night, replays the game, gets to the 13th <gasps> level, beats the game, and then... You know, the screen starts flashing. It's doing all this crazy shit. Sparks are flying everywhere. Oh, no. The game collapses. Yeah. And then, you know, these, these enemies from the game come out. And they're flying around. He's using the gun from the game to shoot the, you know, to shoot the bad guys. It's like a crossover between the video game and Right, like life. the video game comes to life. And he's like, he's like, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. And he leaves the arcade. And then the Bishop of Battle shows up and eats him, pretty much eats him. <laughs> And then he's transported into the game, so the game rebuilds itself. Whoa! And he's stuck in the game. Right. So it was really the only cool story out of this this movie. I like that story. And I watched it on YouTube, uh, just this story, not the whole movie. Okay. But, yeah. So the movie was a flop. I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of people don't remember it. Wait, are we in the movie review section of the podcast? I well, I just want to, like, I feel like this movie, this idea, and how he played Pleiades... How he played that game. And then I feel like this movie had this crazy thing happen to this kid. I feel like it could be in the back of people's minds. And then they create this crazy mind control game called called Polybus, Polybius, Pleiades. You know, I feel like this could all play into... I do see it, but I also... The lore behind this myth. Yes. Well... You know, and at the time, there was also a movie released in 1981 called The Last Starfighter, where they recruit this kid from playing video games, you know? Yes. And that could play into it, too. So, was was Polybius created by the CIA to brainwash kids, or was it just a myth? I think there's some truth to it. What I think is that it was a... Something that triggered people's um, epileptic res- responses where it, it creates a sense of vertigo and I, I can't handle it all the time. I can't. Like, I think it's the same thing for people back then, you know. There's nothing super crazy about it. It's just, I don't believe, 
I don't want to believe that the government will just go through us like a bunch of... I want to believe that Polybius is real, but I don't, I don't know if I do. I want to believe... I want to believe in the Montauk Project. I don't know. I just feel like our government is that this crazy shit goes on that we don't know about. Like, we're lucky we know about MKUltra. They forgot to burn. What does it matter to you, Nicholas? What is I want to know. I, don't, I just want these things to be real. But I want to know what it matters to you. Like, Am I the enemy? In general, or what? Am I your enemy? No. I mean, it doesn't matter. What you think? It really doesn't matter. Like I just, I want to believe personally. I want to believe that there. I don't know. I feel like it's there's some sort of magic involved in this. Like, you know, I want to believe that the CIA is secretly brainwashing kids. I want to believe that Atlantis is real. Are you not worried though that by voicing this, the very powers that you no, I I don't I don't feel like they're paying any attention. You don't think they care about what you have to say? No, not not right now. Maybe if we become Joe Rogan worthy and we're talking about this, maybe we're already pay attention. We're already past all that shit, dude. <laughs> but I don't think they. I mean, they did hack your computer just now, so hmm. uh, that was weird shit. Yeah, it was. I don't know, man. I just want to get here and be positive and be a good good a force of of good. In the world, every t- every chance I get, except for when I curse. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just want to believe that this stuff's real. I want to believe that these conspiracies are real. What does that give you, though? What does it give you? I don't, it's just excitement, I guess. But is it that you want you want our government, our CIA, our people to be? Because if this is real, then why can't you something want else them, be real? You, you know? want them to be hiding something from us. I mean, not really, because I know they're hiding things from us. They've always hid things from us. It's what they do. I want to eat a fucking cheeseburger at McDonald's every two or three days. Or probably more. And some chicken nuggies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's your point? My point is, let's not piss off the government too much. <laughs> because they're pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think we're pissing them off. But they might listen to our shit. Dude. I doubt it. And when they do, because there are people bigger than us talking about this. No, you're nothing put- happens to them. You're putting all this info out there, dude. I just I want this to be real because I want if this is real, that can be real. That can be real. That can be real. You know, that's why I want this to be real. That's why you're the bullshit guy. I need truth, and I'm the conspiracy guy. My truth is. I guess, I guess fundamentally that's the difference between me and you. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. We are coming to a real point right now <laughs> where we need to kind of figure out what, what, what's going on here. What this is. What is this going forward? I think this is a perfectly balanced partnership. That's what we need, you know? We need to be called out when... When our thoughts become too bullshitty. That's actually nice of you to say. So, fine. Fine. (laughs) I will. But I'm telling you, man. But we also need... This video game thing, I think... To expand our minds a little bit, you know? I think I'm on the bullshit side of this one. I'm sorry. You can't sit there and tell me that you don't think LSD, it can expand your mind 
I didn't say that. Wide enough to open gates that aren't currently open. They say, what, you use 10% of your brain or whatever? And that was the whole point of this MKUltra uh, Montauk. Now, Nick, you're getting into something that... That's separate. We Polybius. Were... No, it's not. It's the same. They're trying to unlock these kids' brains. Ladies and these gentlemen. These people's brains. You hear what he's doing right now. He's he's turning... Uh, what's the word for when you take a, a small sample of an argument and make it stand for a, a larger section? I believe it's called a straw man argument. A what? Straw man. Why? Straw man. Why do they call it that? What was the first thing that you said about something men... Oh, Pac-Man, probably? Pac-Man, that's it. <laughs> what the that's fuck? so stupid. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, I'm just saying, I think I'm so fascinated by this topic because I honestly truly believe that these these mind-expanding drugs can literally open gates that... And I think science is finally getting to the point where they're realizing that. Because um. now they're using, you know, like mushrooms in... You know, helping soldiers with PTSD and stuff like that. You know, that's that's small scale, man. There like, are the CIA was way above that. There is documented evidence for using right. psychedelic drugs. And you know, as, they always say the government is what twenty years ahead of of pri- the private sector. Do they always? Say they that? do. They say that. Well, I don't know that. And I honestly believe that's what they were doing with with MKO. And you know. And that, that's the thing with MKUltra. We don't know everything that it consisted of because we only have certain files that were left over. So, Because they honestly, truly did. They tried to burn everything they could. And they just, you know, lucky for us, they forgot to burn some stuff. And that's how we found out about it. Nick, sometimes I think that you give the government a little bit too much credit. I don't think I'm giving them any credit. You are. You're saying they're light years ahead of... <laughs> Of where the uh, general population is. But I mean, they are. Look at the shit they're developing for the military. Like, fine. Invisibility, fine. dude. They're working on... In, they can put computer screen, like some sort of screen, fabric screens on tanks and shit that reflect what's behind it. That's amazing. That's great. put it in front. Okay. You're talking about they technology. They did that 20 years ago. Nick, 10 years ago. You're talking about technology, and that's great. Right. But what I'm saying is... That's what I'm talking about. Us humans... As people, we, our minds, we have the capability to do the same thing that the minds of the people in the government have. Yeah, but the government has the money to fund those people. Right, but sometimes you have to think that our minds are more powerful than the money that produces tangible uh, yeah, no, military see, I, assets. I, don't, I can't believe that. Because in order to unlock what our minds have, we need that money. We need the equipment that money buys. You're wrong. No, I don't think I am. Because people can think of some crazy shit, but they need the technology. I'll prove it to you. Okay. I believe I'm on a path. And <laughs> that path is going to lead to a place that will help you understand. Like time travel? You got a time travel machine? Our minds are just as powerful as the strongest military weapons. They are. Yeah, see, no, I, I, I... You're going to realize it one day. I think fun... I, I just don't believe it. I can't believe that. There's no way that's possible. It's very possible. Because we need those machines to power our minds. Or maybe, if we could unlock it, 
through things like high doses of LSD, you won't need that shit anymore. Like, if these guys, like Ingo Swan, was really using his mind to see across the world, he didn't need special machinery to do that. I know that LSD, like, changed who I was, I think. Saul, like, I used to be super anxious, and I really think that it helped, you know, relieve myself from the anxiety that I that I held on to. Nick. I you, truly, honestly believe that. You to, told me who you were back before you had this awakening. Well, it, I, not even. I was just super anxious. Like, huh. that, that was the main thing, and, I, and now I I'm just it. really not anxious anymore. You're different. I just wanted to go into how LSD can open the... Open these doors and these guys. I need some LSD, man. They were seriously trying to open some serious doors. I need my mind to be opened. Not lying. I have been in the same place for the longest time. And it's, sometimes you just... You need to get out, man. Experience the world. I haven't been any... Oh, shit. <laughs> I haven't been anywhere but Vermont in like the longest time, dude. All right. <clears throat> so... Did the CIA develop a mind-controlling uh, arcade game for for the the unsuspecting masses, or is Polybius is it just a figment of our imaginations? You know what? That's almost canon. Thank you.